Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool to observe from afar. And the other part, we talk about this fun offense they've put together. Um, the guy, obviously, who is the architect of that offense and, and the one who is calling the shots there is Ben Johnson. A month and a half ago, I was canvassing the league, trying to figure out if the Bears were, were going to pivot at head coach, who the best candidates were. It was almost universal that Ben Johnson was going to be the guy if you were looking for a young, offensive-minded guy to take your program in a new direction. Um, Two-part question with him. I'm curious what it is that has impressed you about what he's done with his offense. And then, well, I'll ask that first, and then and then I'll pivot to, to the future beyond that. Yeah, I mean, he's very creative. You know, there's the lines are going to face the challenge when he's gone next year. It'll it'll look different and it'll be different. And the relationship with Jared Goff will be different. He deserves a lot of credit for getting Goff to play at the level he's played at. The one thing that guys in the locker room say about him, and I think this is, you know, how how the details matter with him, you know, and, and maybe they do for a lot of people, but the stresses that he puts on um you know, the, the, having the proper splits and where you're lining up at and the little things, David Blau told me a story. David Blau was, you know, he's their, their <laughs> practice squad quarterback. He was with the team. And when Ben came aboard in, in 2020, uh, I believe it was when he was traded from the Browns and Ben was like a little known, you know, quality control coach at the time. They both got to Detroit basically the same time. And uh, Blau was waiting at the team hotel. This was end of training camp. Um, you know, waiting for an Uber to, to go to the stadium. And Ben, you know, I saw his bag and was like, okay, you know, maybe we can ride together. And they had this connection. And Blau said for the next, you know, two months, Ben Johnson was the coach that was assigned to every day run David Blau through the the offensive script and get okay. make sure that he was ready for games on Sundays that he was never going to play in as the number three quarterback. Well, you know, Jeff Driscoll gets hurt. David Matthew Stafford gets hurt. All of a sudden, David Blau was playing five games at the end of that season. And he said, the only reason I was able to survive was because Ben Johnson and the detail that he put into those sessions of teaching me and the rest of the practice squad offense, the finer points of what we had to do and how specific we had to be with some of the, the routes and the play calls and the things that we were running. And so the as creative as he is, um, as good a communicator as he is, um, I think those details 
making sure they matter in every little thing that they do on offense is is maybe you know a big part of the secret sauce of what's made them so successful. David Blau is the the footnote for uh, us beat writers in Chicago because I believe he made an emergency start on Thanksgiving, That's right. uh, and it might have been his first start. I remember being at a Mexican restaurant in Detroit and having to uh, pump out a four hundred word story about how the, the the Lions were pivoting to David Blau for for an all also meaningful game. I think that was twenty nineteen, if I'm not mistaken. Twenty nineteen. Okay, yeah, that sounds um, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other part with, with with Ben Johnson, you mentioned, you know, it's almost a certainty that he will get a job. He's interviewed a, a bunch of places already. What happens then? How, how do you overcome that if you're the Lions, knowing that you're going to have to to pivot in a new direction? Yeah, someone had asked me that um, on the mailbag uh, that I was doing this morning before we we recorded this, and I think. You know, I, I think Dan could end up calling plays again. Dan Campbell, he called plays um, after he demoted Anthony Lynn um, in the first the first year, you know, midway through his first season when Ben, they made Ben the pass game coordinator. I, I, th- I think that could certainly happen. Um, you know, I think the Lions are a good enough team and a good enough job that um, he owes it to everyone, Dan does, himself included, to make sure that he looks at candidates inside and outside of the uh, you know, the team. Um, so I, I think he will cast a wide net. We'll see how long they go and who's available at that point in time. Scotty Montgomery is another name that's, you know, inside the building assistant head coach, Tanner Engstrand's a guy that they moved to pass game coordinator last year, young guy, um, kind of similar to Ben. So I think they have some internal options. Um, but again, I, I think Dan ultimately needs to cast a wide net and it wouldn't surprise me if he calls plays because as much as he has this reputation as a meathead and, you know, football, you know, run through a wall for me type guy, he's pretty darn smart when it comes to some of that stuff. And you only need to go back and look at how the offense changed that second half of the 2021 season when he was in charge. So they're on their way to uh, the Bay Area this weekend. And that, again, it, to me, it feels like it's a, a steep uphill climb. I don't know where you are at this point of the week and, and kind of feeling out the chances of the Lions. But but what, what what's your gut telling you? And then what is the the, the kind of the, the hidden path to an upset that would send you off to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl to cover the Detroit Lions? Which I, when I say it out loud, I just like my brain doesn't function. It just short circuits. Yeah, you and a lot of people. Um <laughs> You know, I, look, I haven't made a pick on this yet. I, I'm I'm really hemming and hawing. I think the 49ers are the better team. Um, but. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dan, I've seen enough Disney movies to know like <laughs> those are built off real true stories, you know, and the lions sort of have that feel to them. Like everything comes together at the right time and the right people. And, you know, it's it seems like it's one of those things like you look up at the end of the year and you're like, holy, you know, whatever. How did that happen? And, and all of a sudden the lions are Super Bowl champs. So. I'm sort of fighting that urge in my head with the reality of like, man, it's tough to stop Christian McCaffrey in that offense. And that defense is pretty good too. So um, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. I will say that I think the way for the lions to win is two things. You know, they need to score some points early because everyone knows Kyle Shanahan's, you know, record right. being down and the way that offense is. And, you know, the lions have a capable 
enough offense to do that. So if they can get up and build a little bit of a lead, that would be important. And then number two, defensively, you got to stop Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And the Lions have been pretty good against the run this year, but they haven't been great the last couple weeks. And so um, while I think they're, you know, their defense has made some strides, I don't know how equipped they are to do uh, to stop McCaffrey. And so that that is the one thing that sort of gives me a little bit of pause about picking them. One of the teams that slowed the the Lions offense down this year twice was the Bears. And and I, I'm just, it, it baffles me a little bit because it felt like they had a formula for taking away some of Jared Goff's comfort spots and, and making him uh, not be able to use the middle of the field as readily as he did. He had, I think, five interceptions in the two games they played, something to that nature. It always baffles yeah. me that teams don't figure out a way to replicate that when one team has shown uh, a, a blueprint to take them down. Was there anything in the, those games that, that you saw saw where you're like, man, that, that was different that the Bears were able to, to slow this offense down more than others. Yeah, I mean, they got better pressure than most teams. And I, I don't know that that's – I mean, the, you know, that that really is the, the key, I guess, against Goff, right? And that's why, you know, when you when you talk to people, some still are kind of leery about, well, does he belong in that elite class? Is he going to get that $50 million contract? Because, you know, I've seen him enough, you know, crumble under pressure to know that that's how you can get to him. And so, you know, if I remember right, the – when the Lions played the Bears in Chicago, the Lions were maybe a little shorthanded on the offensive yeah. line. And, you know, they uh, they won't have Jonah Jackson, their left guard this week, Coyote Ewasika. In fact, he might have played both games against the Bears now that I'm thinking about it. You know, he's going to start. And, look, he's he's improved as the season has gone on. But, um, you know, when that line is right, they're one of the best lines in the league, and they've done a great job protecting Jared Goff. And, and so, you know, it's, it's imperative that the Lions keep him – uh, safe, give him a, a healthy pocket this week um, against a really good 49ers defense. If they're going to, if they're going to pull the upset on the road. It's an unbelievable story. And uh, even in Chicago, I feel like there's a swell of people that have, have gravitated to to the lions and, and the likability, as you mentioned, and the, the, the obvious uh, dynamic that you said that they don't have many enemies because they haven't kicked a lot of people down yeah. for a lot of years. So that's interesting. Uh, before I spring you loose, I wanted to hit you with a couple Hall of Fame related questions, because obviously that's an interesting time around now every year. The Bears have uh, two candidates with pretty good chances of of winding yeah. up in Canton this summer and Steve McMichael, who's a senior committee finalist and seems like he's on the the, the fast track to get through. And then Devin Hester, who's been a, a three-year conversation here. My first question, I think, would be, how do you handle the questions that come to committee members about, yeah, I mean, every year you get told you're an idiot because, you know, a bunch of good players get left out. And my, my right. response always is, well, they can only push through five every year of the modern era finalists. And so it's really difficult to draw that line and figure out where the five are. How do you, how do you kind of defend the committee and defend yourself when, when you take some of that shrapnel that comes after the selections are made? It comes with it. You know, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but I, you know, I, I will say that you're right. There's, I mean, the, my five that I go into the process with may not be the five that, that you vote um, on. end up getting in or we vote on for those who don't know, right. There's, there's 15 modern era people, you know, the committee votes, everyone picks a top 10. And so the top 10 of those 15, then that's who you vote from 10 to five on. And so, you know, it, one or two people from my 10 may not even make it into the 10 or one or two people from my top five may not make it into the top five. I will say we had our discussion this year already. Um, you know, the, it was a very healthy process. I think there were some robust discussions around some of the candidates. Um, look, I ultimately, my, goal and objective when I, you know, sit down to, to cast my ballot is to put the five best, most deserving players in 
I sort of define that as like, if you were one of the best players at your position during a given era or time period, right? More than a year. It's not just a flash in the pan, but you don't have to be the best to, to, to ever do it or, or best for a 10 year stretch. But if you could be in that conversation, all pro sort of conversation for multiple years, then I think you're probably deserving of it. And Dan, I will say I've, I've shifted a little bit over the years. Like I'm, you know, I had a conversation with Richard Dent actually earlier this fall. Then he was like, you guys put too many people in sort of like Deion Sanders has said. And I, I sort of tend to agree that maybe, maybe we have, you know, put in, put too many people in of late, but I think there were some very deserving, you know, candidates on the ballot this year, including the two, you know, ex bears that you mentioned. It's almost like there needs to be two wings for the, you know, the, the platinum hall of famers and then everybody yeah. else, you know, so you could have the, the distinction between that, the, the, the best in the aim to ever do it. And the other ones that are deserving that don't get in it. Last question for you. The tug of war with Devin has been a three-year process here. Dan Pompey, uh, obviously brings the case to the committee every year and goes over. How do you describe kind of the tug of war uh, that goes on with his candidacy um, with the things that, that people are looking for and then the, the pushback that he gets at times? Yeah. Ultimately with Devin Hester, I, I think it's look, Devin is, and I'm sorry about those beeps during this. This is, you know, I even notice notifications them. on my email and you know, it's this time of year where I'm probably getting a thousand emails. Um, look, Devin Hester to me, you know, best return man in NFL history, if not the best, certainly in the conversation for that. So there's no doubt about his greatness. I think the one thing that's probably held him back a little bit is just like, how do you wedge, you know, a great eight to 10 plays or whatever he's giving you a game. And, you know, the, the reality that teams didn't kick to him as much, you know, after he started becoming as great as he was versus, um, you know, an offensive lineman who plays 70 snaps a game or a, you know, defensive end who's rushing the passer, you know, 50 times a game or so. I think that's really what the the push and pull has been with him. No one doubts his greatness. It's just a matter of like, was his impact as big as, you know, this wide receiver who was out on the field, you know, 95% of the time. So um, to me, Devin Hester is a very worthy candidate, like I said, one of the best at his position to ever do it. I think that's Hall of Fame material. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he gets in uh, this time around. But, um, you know, if, I, if I'm a Bears fan, I would feel good about him getting in at some point, whether it's this year or not.